welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business. And on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. So today we have another guest with us from our private Facebook group is how I found Albert. He's one of the more experienced vets, I would say in there. I think he had a lot of experience in the industry before he came to us and joined the gold course and everything. So Albert, thank you for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure, Brandon. So here we are. Hello, everyone. So I've been a member of the gold course for almost a year, been in the industry, maybe going on 15 years. And I decided to join the gold course to, you know, broaden my skill set and to network with other people that's doing what I've been doing. Because when I just started, there wasn't anything like this. So to find that the gold course existed and with the wealth of information that they share. So it's really good. Yeah. You and Andy were probably, you know, Andy's our founder, the founder of Group Home Riches. You guys are probably starting right around the same time. (laughs) And uh, I've kind of heard his, he had many bumps and bruises along the way. And that's Mm -hmm. what he started putting the material out there. So for folks that want to hear, you know, that story, that's our first podcast, but let's go back to there. You know, what, what made you want to get into this business? I've always been a caregiver. So I've worked in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, even different rehab wards and different rehab centers. So I've always had a penchant for caregiving. So I've been a CNA, nursing assistant, all of that stuff. So anyway, I met a lady that she's a nurse and she has a care home. So Anyway, she invited me to come and join her, but I wasn't really paying her any attention at the time. So when things got a little bit rough for me at one point, then I went to her and said, hey, show me, tell me what you're going to tell me. So that's how I pretty much started. Very cool. Did she kind of take you under her wing and like mentor you a little bit? Yes. So when she explained everything to me, it sounded awesome. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is this? I can care for people in my home. I said, okay, fine. So yes, she was my, is still my mentor, but I kind of, she's older. So because she's older, she was starting to slow down a bit. So I kind of, she taught me the old school and I taught her the new school (laughs) of how to do things. (laughs) That's a perfect partnership. You need the yin and the yang. Yes, exactly. So what types of homes were they? Were you guys providing the service and was it, was it, were they licensed? Yes. Or yes, were... right. So we were doing license. And then when I came on board, we were doing a mixture. So we started to do target populations, maybe more homeless, displaced substance abuse, maybe some drug addiction. I did pregnant women. So yeah, I, I kind of streamlined it to more targeted homes. Well, yeah, we have both. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. coming from the, the medical background, I'm sure that helped a lot with providing yes, the services. Absolutely. So as far as the housing goes, did you have your own real estate? Did she, or, or what was that yes, like? We start, right. So when we started, she had a home and I had a home. So we would partner. So if she got somebody that she couldn't handle, 
I would take them. And if I got somebody that she's more equipped, then I would pass them over to her. So she already had her network of referrals. And I just added to that in a broader way because I, I pretty much took over the whole marketing aspect of it. Then afterwards, when we just started out, we were renting, leasing properties. And then now we own all to most. Yeah. We like to call it like the McDonald's method. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of folks don't know that McDonald's, their biggest revenue, you know, their the way they make the most income is from mm-hmm. uh, owning the Turn real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So I think leasing is a great way to start, but mm-hmm. uh, eventually, you know, there's just so much more advantages to owning the real estate. As you know, from the group, that's one of the things that people struggle with a lot, yeah. right? It's yeah. just kind of pitching the, the idea to mm-hmm. landlords. So mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. did you guys overcome that when working with landlords in the beginning? In the beginning, it was right before the housing crash. So we found a lot of motivated landlords. So it's just a, it's a delicate way you have to present it to them in order for them they're going to want to say they want to have a partner with you or they're definitely going to say no. So you're going to have to be real tactical with how you present it to them. But at the time when we started, they were giving us how they're like, please, please take it. The landlords were even happy to get a thousand dollars a month for their rent. So (laughs) (laughs) that's where we were. Beautiful. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Like a lot of, (laughs) a lot of people just starting out, they don't understand like how, how valuable it can be in that yes. once the landlords know what's going on, they'll probably want to partner with you or like get a piece of the pie. But yes. folks that are starting out that, you know, can't even afford to lease a property, you can use that to your advantage and partner with a landlord, right? Yeah, um, definitely. And although the market's a little bit different, I think now is a great time to negotiate with landlords. I agree. Um, you it know, is. A lot of them have been having just tenants basically squatting in their properties for a year and they can't evict them. So right. they're going to be open to new business ideas. <laughs> Truly, that, that's the thing to do. That's true. <laughs> so it was you and a partner. You started out leasing. You mm-hmm. took on like the marketing kind of stuff. What were you doing different that she was not doing? She would mainly focus on geriatric folks or folks that need a particular level of care. I broadened it to maybe teenagers, adolescents, middle-aged folks. So therefore, I would go directly to nonprofit or shelter organizations. And I, even when I started, I did a lot of charity. So I would have taken in a lot of people who were not necessarily funded, and I would balance my budget by... Um, having a certain amount of people that's funded and that they can cushion one to two people in a home that's unfunded, then when their funds are released or when they get their funds um, situated, then they would pay me in arrears. That's one of the beautiful things that you have the options to do that once you get rocking and rolling. Yes. And that, 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 that's actually really how I actually started to gain some momentum as it relates to making your name out there because you, you're not only doing it for a certain level of compensation, but the charity aspect. And also when you get compensated in arrears, that can give you a push to get more things done as it relates to expanding or getting more furniture, equipment, whatever you're trying to do. Were you doing like volunteer work or was that your, that was your form of charity? 
as well. Yes, I did. Yeah, the volunteer work also gave me some contacts. So I had to do a little bit of that maybe on the weekends to make some further contacts. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, people, just a general rule of thumb in business, not even, you can apply this to every industry. People do business with people that they like and trust, right? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, if, if you're working with them, volunteering side by side, and then you have a group home open, you know, why, why wouldn't they refer people to you? So for folks who are just starting out and you, you might be on a tight budget. We -hmm. had a young lady named Jasmine that we did a Mm -hmm. recent podcast with. She was literally homeless when she Mm -hmm. got it started, but the way she networked and, and kind of built her like, you know, marketing network was through exactly that. She was just volunteering and, working with, with charitable groups and mm-hmm. giving back to the community. So that's, that's a great strategy that we, we honestly don't talk about enough. There's <laughs> value. Um, it's a lot of value in it, actually. Yeah. So you'll take on like charitable tenants now and then? Um, yeah, even now I still do it. Yes. It just, I just have to kind of, I assess them. I'm very good with assessing them even over the phone. So generally I can feel out you know, who is worthy because I've been doing it so long. Yes, there's a charity aspect to it, but I learned that you can be helping someone up and they can be helping you down. Mm -hmm. So there's a very (laughs) delicate balance there that needs to be struck. So let's dive into that a little bit. That's Mm -hmm. why I wanted to have you on to kind of talk about, you know, a lot of times we're speaking with people about just like, you know, the beginning steps and getting them motivated and things like that, but you've been, you know, you're, you're a vet. So I wanted to dive into some of the just logistical tactical stuff. So just talk about that. Like you get a call from someone that wants to live at your home. What are some of the things that, that you ask them and what are you looking for? All right. So depends on where they are calling from. I generally ascertain their age to see what age group I can put them with. If they smoke, they have any pets, uh, if they're funded or unfunded. Generally, I, I like to ask how much they can afford to pay because that let me gauge if they're serious about finding reasonable housing. Sometimes they come with some figures that are not realistic. So you ha- that kind of automatically lets you ascertain, you know, what, it, what direction they're trying to go into. You know, I've learned that the ones who are the most needy come in and they create problems. So they come, they don't have any money and then they, they're asking for the most with the least. So, you know, you have to ascertain who is doing what and what type of operation you're trying to run. So yeah, that's how I I get that done. And then once they're in, I run a very tight ship as it relates to the logistics and the management. So yeah, we could talk about that as well. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So like just the day to day, do you have a house supervisor or you, do you have an operational manager or are you kind of running the day to day stuff still? All right. So what I do, my role, cause I've expanded so much. I do all the relationship building in the community and also the intake. Cause I need to have, maintain my relationships in the community as well as do the intake with the client for several reasons because even if I hire someone to do that they're not going to do it generally to the best of their ability and if they quit 
they would burn my bridges on my relationship. So that I totally do. In addition to the budget, in addition to the spending, I do all of that. But as it relates to support roles, transportation, any little errands, that type of thing, I, I usually have staff members that do that type of thing. Let them have a roster where they can service a certain amount of homes per day, or one day they do transportation, another day they do appointments, another day they do food pickup runs. So I have it structured like that. In the home, I generally have one of the persons living there that will report to me. They may get a concession, may get a room by themselves, but it's generally one of the sharper ones. I also have an operations manager that is responsible for going to the homes daily to make sure that all the necessary tasks are being performed daily. And I do it too. Very similar to the operation that we have out here in Texas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how many properties are you up to now? How many are you? Uh, right are you now I'm right about 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And it, is it still a mixture of like uh, licensed facilities and yes. unlicensed? Yes. What? What's the ratio? I would say about 30% license and then 70% because we're about to acquire another place now where we're going with the concept to develop. So we're going maybe into a small development where we will probably some uncured land that we're trying to, you know, do a mini expansion to add maybe some rooms, things like that. That's interesting. Yes. like a plot of land with a couple properties on it or just like a, a new build? Not a new build. We located a place where it has a few bedrooms, maybe 10. Uh-huh. And then hang on, has 10 rooms and then it has um, enough space at the back and at the side where we could do some development. Okay. Very but it cool. would be maybe in two story. So that's going to be like a almost a bigger facility almost. Yes, yes. <laughs> and is that going to be one of the licensed homes or one of the No, more... we're going to do that to high function independent. Very cool. Maybe yeah. like like seniors or? Not necessarily seniors, maybe between, I would say, 35 to maybe 70. Okay. Just like a co-living, people looking yeah. for affordable housing. Yes. Yeah. So folks out there. Google the term co-living and you'll see that this idea, you know, we didn't invent it. Albert didn't. And you'll see like a lot of, you know, big Silicon Valley firms are getting into this space. Just the trends are people, you know, affordable housing is booming. So you've noticed that that's going to be awesome. So back to just like the day-to-day kind of management stuff. We pretty much outsource all of the services, but what mm-hmm. you mentioned transportation, food, mm-hmm. what services are you and your team providing for your tenants? Okay, so we, we manage their funds, so they get an allowance. We do transportation, we manage their medication, as well as to make sure that they, the pharmacy delivers the medication. We also take them to the grocery store and also to any errands they might run. So we do all of that in-house. Yeah, because, you know, in our area, we have been having issues where when we outsource certain things, the people that we outsource them to, 
generally try to coerce the clients away. So we have to strike a delicate balance with who is doing what because, you know, we can't manage everything or control everything. And when we're not there to control everything, then the person outsourced to do the transportation is transporting them to somewhere else. (laughs) You brought that up with me on a coaching call. And we, Andy hasn't really had to deal with that, but I've been, yes. I've been telling people to look out for that because you told me about that. <laughs> like, yes. for example, like if you want to outsource something to a home health company, yes. I tell them, Hey, before you do that, do a little bit of research and make sure they themselves don't have group homes or like a partnership with another group home or something like yes. that. Correct. So, <laughs> that's that's something that hey i'm even learning from albert guys yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's a shared then, space we learn it from each other and then uh one of the other things there's there's always a lot of back and forth about it but you mentioned managing the funds so we will typically outsource that to a, a third party mm-hmm. representative mm-hmm. payee just mm-hmm. for the folks out there that don't know what that is it's uh and that's typically with social security and ssdi right so that's typically a family member performs that role or someone Mm -hmm. that's caretaking for the recipient but you go Mm -hmm. through a process and become the payee so the funds go to you and then you're responsible for you know paying the recipient's bills and things like that now yes Usually the main one that you're concerned there are, this is a way to get a guaranteed payment for the housing. Right. Essentially is why we're doing that. We outsource that, but this is one of Mm -hmm. those services that you provide. So you, you become your tenants payee, correct? Yes. The company, yes, the company does. And we also help them to manage their funds. Yeah. So like you'll get their funds, you'll pay Mm -hmm. their bills and then pay that. One of the main bills is. Yes your housing (laughs) absolutely right so we see it before they do and then we make sure that they have an allowance they can buy their toiletries their cigarettes and we i also keep a small fund for them so if they run out of money i can all every every time i go over there i give them five bucks ten bucks they're happy it keeps them stable yeah it's one of the like your your product that you're offering your clients Correct. Is, a, is a structured environment. A lot of these people need need that structure in their life. Yes, right. Because the, the problem is a lot of people who are trying to get in this space, they don't want to do the management. They just want to, you know, grab folks, put them there, and think that it will function. It will not function like that. Everything has to. Be, it's a building block. So then you can put them there. Yes, you can collect rent, but you can't have them walking in the neighborhood, disturbing the neighbors. You can't have them calling the police every day. They need to take their medicine. They need to make their appointments. Then you need to buy them some clothing. Everything is a step in order to make, if you want to keep the houses full. Yeah. If you just take people in and there's no structure, there's no management, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it could become that nightmare situation that... (laughs) This is why, you know, you don't see every landlord getting into this space, right? Right. That is true. But there are a lot of things you can do to mitigate, like, the negative things that can happen. So you can have your house supervisor. You have the operational manager. Mm -hmm. You're you're getting – this is the key thing that probably a lot of traditional, you know, real estate investors don't understand is – the majority of the time you're getting you're getting a guaranteed payment from the 
most of your tenants, correct? Yes, absolutely. So it's either going to be coming from like a, you know, one of the nonprofits that you market to, or if it's somebody that is not Mm -hmm. working with an organization, Mm -hmm. you have that Mm -hmm. process to become the Mm -hmm. representative payee and get Mm -hmm. it directly from Uncle Sam, basically. Yeah. The rain or shine, the check is in the mail. So you, yeah, you have 10 properties. Mm -hmm. How many total tenants roughly do you think? Maybe at right now, close to 70. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's listening out there that's, you know, looking at re- comparing rental properties and comparing this, if they didn't know about that payment system, like imagine what they're thinking their life's going to be like, you know, collect, <laughs> try, trying to collect 70 checks on the first of the month. It's not going to happen. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, no. These are just some of those simple systems that you can put in place to, uh, you know, one, help the community, but two, protect yourself as a business owner. That is true. So I've seen you answered that a number of times, just dealing with the tenants, like you said, like talking to them and kind of gauging mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's going to fit and what property. What are some other like common issues that come up with the day to day that you you have to get in there and put out the fire for do we have enough time (laughs) (laughs) let me give you a real life example this morning wonderful young man let's use another name say his name is richard okay richard has been acting up for the last three weeks he hasn't been taking his medicine apparently so he he's going to the neighbor's house sleeping by their car, but sitting outside in the cold, hours on end, or sits in our driveway with his shirt off. So anyways, mom called me this morning, 6.30 in the morning. Mrs. So-and-so, um, oh, we just got a call. The police just called me. So-and-so is there and he's, he doesn't want to go back into the house. He says he's scared he's, he's, and he suffers from paranoia. Good. So I have to jump in and liaison with the mom, say, no problem, I'll take care of it. Cause you know, that's what I'm getting paid for. Yeah. Anyway, police brought him back to the home. You know, luckily I know the police. That's a part also part of community building. You have to have a good relationship with your local first responders and let them understand the value you're providing to the community and also let them they'll see how your operation is set up. If if they see it where it's you know, you, the, the house is run down, it's, you know, food, not that type of thing. They, they won't trust you and they'll just think that it's just a money grab. So when they see how structured it is and you're involved and they'll call you, hey, Albert, can you come to the property now? Yes, I'll be right there. What is the issue? Good. So they trust you. So anyway, the police brought him back and I had to send him to the hospital this morning. I had to call an Uber for him and I sent it because... I do Uber opposed to the 911 because, you know, when you call 911, the fire, the ambulance and the police car is coming and uh, the neighbors are already tired of it. So, so <laughs> I tell them, don't call unless somebody's bleeding or, or, or not breathing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I had to send him out. That's one crisis. And another one, another guy, another tenant. He uses the cups and the plates, and when he's done, he throws them out into the front yard from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I have to be on the phone with him. Richard, if you do it again, I'll be sanctioning your allowance for next month. You will not get any allowance. So now he's not doing it anymore. So okay. I know you have to have different tactics. You know, they call me another female client. She's infatuated with me. So she, her job daily is to call me to ask me when I'm taking her to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and me being the wonderful landlord, of course, I'm, I'm getting it on my schedule. But me and her, she's my tenant. It's, you know, it's not appropriate. Of course, I take them on treats to Golden Corral and stuff like that as a part of the retention process. But sometimes they misconstrue that as, you know, <laughs> getting personal. <laughs> yeah. So there we go, folks. There's just a, a snapshot of some yeah. of the day-to-day <laughs> stuff that, that could come along with the business. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go, you know, just uh, like worst case, let's say Richard doesn't stop throwing the plates from the house. Like what are your, you know, what? Then I have aggressive intervention. I, I have an open door policy, so I can usually coerce them to do what I need them to do because I'm very hands-on. Mm-hmm. So you need to know them. You need to have a relationship with them and they need to trust you. So if he didn't stop throwing it, then I would get him to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, do you have a, so like the landlords out there, the real estate investors, they're wondering about eviction. Worst case, someone has to leave. Do you have a, like a tenant agreement in place to protect yourself or is it more traditional and do you have to go through the eviction process? No, it's mainly an agreement, but the the agreement is more ceremonial than anything. You have to have tactics to, you know, if you have a situation, how to handle it. You cannot be traditional where you have to go to the eviction process. That doesn't work. You, if they're refusing treatment, I can step in and help them to get to treatment. And if if I don't feel that it is satisfactory, then they have um, excluded themselves from my program. So they're going to go to like a hospital or another organization or... There's like a caseworker that you can call yes. for them to handle it. Yes. And now that's their burden to find them somewhere else to live. So there's definitely bad things that that can that can happen, right? So mm-hmm. just dealing with people in general. For example, I'm gonna give you this is why you haven't heard a lot from Andy on our podcast. Mm-hmm. So he has group homes, but he also he has rental properties also. Yes. So one of his rental properties, this is one of the disadvantages with regular rental properties. You know, you can't put systems like that in place and stop people from throwing plates if they want to. No. They essentially, they're qualified. They get a lease. They can essentially do, you know, it's, you can't really stop them from doing much if they're paying the rent, right? So right. one of Andy's qualified tenants Looks great on paper, good credit, full-time job, created a meth lab in one of his rental properties. Wow. (laughs) SWAT team kicked in the door, busted the door. This was obviously against the rental policy. You can't create a meth lab in the rental unit. But this tenant in return sued Andy for withholding the deposit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
things bad in in all real estate situations can can get kind of hairy. But I think the advantages with this business model is that you do have a lot more control over your tenants. Like, uh, you know, if you have a tenant that's doing damage to the property, you're going to catch it that day if your house supervisor's on top of things, right? Yes. But the the next thing with that is sometimes they have to step out and then still have to be anchored to the phone just in case something happens. Right. So... After speaking with you, I think probably the keys to your success, if we had to like summarize it, are just you're very hands on. Yes. You provide a very structured environment and you personally are involved a lot to to keep that going. And then just the relationships in the community. Correct. Relationship with the client and also in the community is very important because Sometimes when the said clients go back into the community, they either speak ill or well of you. And I've been on both ends. There are people who love our service and they even send other clients to us. And you have the ungrateful ones. Of course, there are those who speak ill, but the referral source knows that is not true. So your good work precedes you. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is why we do the podcast. You don't hear a lot of stories about the Alberts out there. <laughs> if you punch in group home or, you know, punch in unlicensed group home in a new search mm-hmm. and you'll just see nightmare story after nightmare story of people doing what Albert said not to do. <laughs> you don't <laughs> just set up a bunch of beds in a property that's not up to code and not no. kept up with, with no management or anything and let, people transitioning out of homelessness do their thing it true that's why that's the issue um you know people it's the same where if you don't leave them enough money to live off of you create other situations it's ways to get it done efficiently of course it takes more work but if you do it the way how we do it everything will run smoothly and you'll just grow as opposed to just filling beds yeah and mm-hmm. if you if you go the other route, you know, you just said it best about people talking ill of you in the community. Yes. You're not yes. going to be in business very long. Correct. You're not going to have a 15 to 20 year run like like Albert and Andy have. I'm telling you. It's ways, <laughs> ways to ways to get it done efficiently. So providing a great service to the community, much needed. Do you know of, you know, there's not a whole bunch of other landlords in your area that are working with these demographics, right? Right. So right now for this week, I had to place at least 15 folks, at least. And that's the ones I remember. And those folks that are sending you the referrals, you're probably one of the only people, you know, in their Rolodex that they can call. Right, right. Because they're calling me for a solution i don't give them too much you know problems so therefore once you see 7 30 i get anxiety in the morning because try not to miss the call because the, then the voicemail box will be filled up <laughs> <laughs> gives you anxiety but it's a better problem yeah. to have than the other the other option of not getting calls right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and you do you own all of the properties now? Yes, yes. I, that's my 
not a philosophy. That's how I operate. It's easier to navigate when you're on the place. So if no one can kick you out. Yeah. And just financially, you know, Mm -hmm. what are the advantages of leasing a property compared to owning it? Not much, right? Not much, right. You're paying a middleman, basically, which is that landlord. Yeah. They're cash flowing whatever Mm -hmm. they want to. And they're getting equity in the property. Right. And when you own it, you have you can use it as leverage to even grow. If you know what you're doing, you can use it to grow. And um, yeah, no one can kick you out. So even if they get complaints, they can come and check what the complaint is. But at the end of the day, they can't kick. Where are they going to Oh, we come in and shut. No, no shut. No, it's, it's, it's my place. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about, you know, some of the, some of the headaches that could come with it, <laughs> but yeah. let's, like kind of the the advantages you know you you own 10 properties have you compared like what your cash flow would be if they were just traditional rental properties as opposed to like the group homes that you're running now oh this model it's like you know several percentages higher and it's more structured and constant as opposed to a traditional tenant may come up with several issues can come up well, they, they lost their job, whatever it is that's, that can happen, or they choose not to move out or not to pay the rent. So this this way is more, you know, you can extract the payment. You can make plans. You can. We have a saying, you can put your pot on the fire and know that the ingredients are coming. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In our market, if we had to estimate it, it's about 10x the cash flow. So- exactly. You know, if we were on like mm-hmm. a real estate like uh, forum mm-hmm. and like we said mm-hmm. what our what the ROI is right. on these properties, they wouldn't even believe us. <laughs> They'd no, be like, it, you're it, lying. There's no it's, way. It's unbelievable. And then a lot of people get attracted when they hear that, but then they're not willing to do the management aspect of it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the, the, I think the the cool thing about you know our audience is. Uh-huh. The majority of people that we speak with and talk to, uh-huh. and you, you've seen this in the group, they're uh-huh. people that are, come from your background, right? Yeah. They yeah. typically, you know, from the medical background, nursing uh-huh. or something like that. And it yeah. dawns on them like, hey, I could uh-huh. probably make more money if I do like my own thing. Yeah. And it's not just a little bit more money, but it's it's a lot more, especially if you can, you know, scale it out like Albert has. So. Truly. In the future, how are you finding your properties? Are you doing? Are you finding like discounted properties and fixing them up and stuff? Or are you are you just kind of purchasing them off the MLS? The MLS hard money. I'm doing a lot of hard money lately uh, to own it faster and to accelerate it. And yeah, a lot of bank statement um, showings to get qualified quickly. Good credit score. So get get gets me. In. So I'm going into the commercial arena now, based on the space. I'm, I'm going commercial because of zoning so that I can, you know, do exactly what I want to do. I want to do a bit, a bit of daycare, adult daycare, have everything in one place. So I'm going into the commercial aspect of it. Beautiful. So mm-hmm. as you can see through this business, Albert, you know, he may not advertise it or think of it, but he's like he's a real estate investor <laughs> you know, in developing properties yeah, using yeah. hard money you'll right. learn these things as you grow i think you should uh it just right. makes good 
business sense. I thought about it last week and I'm like, I got really nervous. I'm not one to get nervous, but I'm like, oh my goodness, almost like a developer. <laughs> yeah, you fell into it. And and honestly, yeah. you're, you're doing a lot better than the majority of people who think of themselves as real mm-hmm. estate investors. I'm truly, really trying, but this was sprung on to me. It wasn't something where that was in the vision. But then when you get in the market and you see the need and then you find out your skill set, say, hey, I can do this. Let me get this done. Because the problem we're running into now, because of the situation the market is in, the, the properties are going fast. So I, you need to either build or you need to go commercial because of the, the general family, four family home, two family home, people are snapping them up quickly now. It's a really weird market now. It's You would think that there's motivated sellers, like there's a yeah. lot of distress out there. Yes. And there, there is, but on the flip side of things, there's just the retail market for some, you know, just hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I talk is. to people across the country and, and they, they say that. So you touched on that. You know, we, we don't get into the nitty gritty too much on real estate on this podcast, but one of the ways that Albert talked about hard money is, you know, not a bank, but it's, is it like a, a private person in, in your area that you found? Or Yes, I did. I found a lender who I pitched the idea to and they're very excited. That's why sometimes you just need to believe in your product, market it, and also be able to sell it to another person. Once a person believes in what you're selling, they'll, they'll jump on board. So that's what occurred. I, I have my figures lined up and I show them what I'm doing. And they love the idea. I show them my waiting list. I, they see me in operation. So that's what I used to get them on board. And they, they're even giving me money to renovate this new place and to get it going. And plus, I already have a rent roll. There are people already living there. I love it. So whether you're looking for hundreds of thousands of dollars in private capital <laughs> to, so you can close on these properties quickly, or whether you're just starting out and you want to just get a landlord to rent from you, it's basically the same process. You need to do the legwork. You need to understand your business. You need to believe yes. it in yourself. If you uh-huh. do the foundational stuff and you can say it a pitch confidently, it's not about what you say. <laughs> it's right. you need to convey to that other person that you're going to follow through with what you're saying. So yes, and also we, it helps. But when I just started, I had maybe three months reserve because I was always an avid saver. So what I would say to a lot of people starting out: step out. Yes, marketing is good, but get the place first. I had my place ready, my first home ready before I, I got my first tenant, right? And then, but the, what I had going, I had three months reserve of rent. So even if I never got a client for three months, I could pay my rent. So people need to take that approach if they can. A lot of people are worried, oh, I'm marketing, but I don't have a place. I would also say, take the approach. You can market a couple of weeks before you get the place. But get the place, but you need to have a few months reserved that in case, even if you get the tenant, they can move out if they don't like it. And then you're still going to have budgetary problems. So that's the approach I would take. Yeah. And really, either one will work. I think Mm -hmm. I've I've seen both work. There's advantages and disadvantages to each one. Mm -hmm. But the common things are like you at least have to know who to market to. You need mm-hmm. to understand like the systems you can put mm-hmm. in place. 
you need mm-hmm. to get those just those basic questions that everybody has answered you need mm-hmm. to understand the stuff then it's just about the budget really as far as the property goes yeah so you have the development coming up that's huge what's the future looking like for albert my long term is to get a village because now we have the property spread out, which is fine. I hit different properties every day to, to get the management going, but I really need a village to have everyone in the same area. So if I don't get that developed, I also have a nonprofit that I have. So with the nonprofit, we're in the process of fielding grants. So if I get the right grant, then we'll do some more development. Yeah, to serve the population. So that's the next project beautiful and there's a lot of funds out there yeah yeah especially with the so, new new administration so absolutely so we do a co co partnership with the nonprofit and the for profit i can get things leased on the for profit side and then the nonprofit can come in and service it so yeah we can get it done beautiful we have to do a part 2 after that expansion cuz that's those are big moves <laughs> absolutely i'm trying you know just asking for strength <laughs> and fortitude <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have the works to go with the faith though that's what i love about it i'm telling you i i get hard sometimes when it gets overwhelming you got to say why me but why not me then who else <laughs> beautiful <laughs> So any last words of advice or or parting words for the folks out there? Absolutely. Guys who are looking to get in, I found um, Group Home Riches to be a great resource. Although I was in the business, I found great resource in them. So definitely sign up for the program. Get into the Facebook group. It's a private group where we share ideas and experiences. I would also say anyone interested, think of why you want to start the service you want to provide and what your legacy will be get into it for the right reasons and everything will prosper of course there can be um financial gain but the the, the core of it should be assisting folks maintaining their um, dignity and independence and then everything else will reward itself there are going to be bumps in the road but once you remember why you started and your core principle of starting everything else will be there for you to reap. Beautiful. I love it. (laughs) So, (laughs) man, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for helping the folks in the group. I love we hopping in there and seeing like the vets in there answering questions. (laughs) Albert's definitely, he's one of the more active folks in there. And guys, if you are just kind of finding us through the podcast, head to Mm grouphomeriches.com. At bare minimum, sign up for our mailing list, get the free training material. And if it does sound like something for you, definitely get the gold course. That's the, the, that's the program that Albert's talking about. Ton of how-to guides, sample material, videos, kind of showing you step-by-step what to do. And just, Mm -hmm. it's a bonus, but it's becoming something that, man, it's, I think it's worth the price already is that is the private Facebook group. Oh yeah. (laughs) The networking opportunities, all the Mm -hmm. questions that have been asked and answered Mm -hmm. in there. So and if you have questions on anything, you can reach out to us too. We're always looking to help. Absolutely. Albert, thank you so much for coming on and I look forward to that part two after the big expansion. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. We're on the way. We're on the way, Brandon. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much.